Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Journey Through the Word, our daily podcast. Uh, I'm Pastor Bob Gaglione, and with me today is Eric Mintaxis. He's the New York Times number one best-selling author of Bonhoeffer, Miracles, Seven Women, Seven Men, and Amazing Grace. I've read them all. They're all fantastic books. His most recent book is the New York Times bestseller, If You Can Keep It, The Forgotten Promise of American Liberty. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Eric, glad to have you here. Thrilled to be here. I didn't know this was a daily podcast. Wow. <laughs> you got a lot of a lot of stuff to fill. I'm glad I could be here today. Well, we're glad you're here. Eric, before we get into your latest book, and, and, and we'll talk about Bonhoeffer a little bit, I've heard you speak several times. I'm always fascinated how God gets people into their sweet spot. And for you, this wasn't a predictable course. No. Uh, I know you went to Yale University. Share some of the early years and maybe some of the failures before this current wave of success. You know I killed some people, right? <laughs> yeah. You were a humorist, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the folks no, know I, that. Yeah, they don't know that. Um, the Man, I'll tell you, look, I grew up in a working class home. My mom and dad didn't go to college. They were European immigrants. You know, my dad came from Greece. My mom came from Germany. And it's the American dream that I was able to end up at a place like Yale. Mm. But Yale is a very secular place, very politically liberal. It's kind of like, you know, uh, a caricature of all these universities we have today where free thought is not really encouraged. So I kind of drank the Kool-Aid and I just kind of graduated. And, and whatever faith I had was gone. I was lost. So did you have a nominal upbringing or would you? Well, you know, y yeah, I, we went to Greek Orthodox Church, but we were not serious about our faith. It was a cultural thing. So I graduated and I was totally lost. You know, I was like, well, I don't know, you know, which way is up. Mm. What am I doing? I want to be a writer, but how do you do that? Right. And basically had a dramatic born again experience. I moved back in with my parents when I was 24, which was horrible. <laughs> and it was so bad that I was open to new ideas. And this guy started sharing his faith with me and I was really rejecting it. But one night I had a dream. I won't tell the story, but it's on my, if you go to my website, it's ericmetaxas.com. There's an I Am Second video, a short video, where I tell the story. It's a mind-blowing story. Overnight, I accepted Jesus. It was awesome. just stunning, absolutely stunning. And after that, I really just said, okay, Lord, lead me. And he did, but it was still hard. I really struggled for years and years and years. People have no idea. I mean, I had some, you know, some successes, but basically it was not— I'm not exaggerating. It was very tough, very tough financially in every way. And, uh, you know, I worked for Chuck Coles and I did some, I worked for VeggieTales. I did some stuff, but just trying to live in New York, trying to make a living as a writer, it was hellish. And um, it was not until the Bonhoeffer book hit in 2010 yeah. that my life kind of broke open. That's why I asked the question because there's so many Christians out there that they see public figures and they think it was all all just a success all the way and and I think if you read most people except for prodigies or people that make an early impact uh, most of us are out there chopping wood doing what we do and then and you mentioned Bonhoeffer uh, yeah that's when your career takes off yeah and I remember John Piper saying in a conference one time that all Christians should read Christian biography because it helps you in your path you yeah. see the pitfalls etc yeah what was it in Bonhoeffer's life? What was the seed in his life where you said, man, this might be a book? I, it never really uh, hit me that way. I wrote the book on, I never wanted to, so this is the funny thing. It's like when you say, you know, how does, how, you know, people say, how should I do, I want to do what you do. How do I do that? The, my answer is I, I don't have a stinking clue. Mm. I wanted to be a writer. 
I didn't ever want to write biographies. I didn't ever want to write children's <laughs> books. I wrote 30 of them before oh I started goodness. writing. So I really, the Lord really led me uh, in fits and starts and zigs and zags, and I cannot pretend that I had a clue or that I have a clue. I just, I had an instinct that I wanted to communicate my faith to the world, to the Interesting. mainstream. Interesting. So I didn't want to become a minister. I didn't want to, I, I wanted to be in the mainstream. But if you'd said to me 10 years ago, uh, oh, you're going to write biographies, I'd be like, no, I don't think I'll ever write a biography. I remember hearing Hans Zimmer, the famous composer of movie scores, he said, everybody thinks it's easy. He said, when you receive that Oscar, he said, I wish the first two notes of the next song were on the back of the Oscar's head. He goes, because most of the time I feel like a fraud. <laughs> It's weird. I yeah. mean, it's really it's a weird thing. And you and and it's good to feel like a fraud in a sense to say that this is God. I my humility is genuine. I am totally aware of where I would be without God's help. That's and, awesome. and that's not a joke. I mean, he humbled yeah. me up front and you know, to be well into your 40s and really struggling bitterly. You mm. know, I'm not sugarcoating it. Yeah. It was not fun. I've had depression, I've had health issues. It's been a hard road, period. And I just think the Lord uses that to prepare us, but you hate it when you're going through it. I'm not going to pretend like, oh, it was great. It was awful. And yeah. the Bonhoeffer book changed everything. But the the Bonhoeffer book, I didn't even have a clue going into that. I just thought, like, here's a guy who, uh, you know, lived out his faith in a dramatic way. It's an important story to tell. Okay, I'll give it a shot. And only as I got into it did I realize what it was. Very powerful. So uh, many people know you as an author, speaker, communicator. Uh, I love Socrates in the city. Tell the folks... Uh, who may not know what that is. Well, um, a number of years ago, actually, a, a friend of mine uh, wanted me to start like a, you know, Seekers Bible study or something. And I and he kept talking around and around and around. It should be this, should be this, or this. And then I was with, with Oz Guinness one time. And Oz Guinness said, well, why don't you just do a thing where I could come and I could speak on a subject and then we could have questions and whatever. And I thought, that's a great idea. And we just came up with the name Socrates in the city because Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. Let's have something that pulls in non-believers. It's not a churchy thing. It's not a Christian thing. I mean, of course it's a Christian thing because I'm Christian, right. but it's not overtly that. Well, who knows what it will be? And uh, I'll pretend like I don't have an opinion. And, um, you know, like, let's have a real conversation and let's invite hard questions and let's just talk to... to and, and so... It really just kind of grew from there. Now, you know, you can see the videos. There's tons of great speakers and interviews and stuff. And I've been doing a little bit less, but it's something that I want to do really as a TV show. Uh, and I'd like to do it more often. And if I could do it more often, I could do it, you know, I could do it here in Philly. I could do it here and, you know, I could do it around and stuff. But but I we're kind of putting it on hold right now. But I just think it's an important thing to invite people into a conversation, to, you know, it's almost like pre-evangelism in the sense of saying, hey, let's feel safe to talk about these big questions. Somewhat like the New Testament where they reason with people, either starting from the scriptures if they were Jews or non-Jews, starting from creation, but finding a, a connection. I, I've yeah. been there. It's a fabulous event. Uh, your new book, obviously about American liberty, the founding fathers, the Constitution, generating a lot of buzz, a lot of Twitter feeds. Um did you plan to have it out for the election? Well, I did. I didn't plan for the election to be insane. <laughs> but uh, I was kind of hoping to start a conversation around yeah. what's in the book. I failed because most But a lot of people who have read the book, I mean tons of people, have really raved about it to me. And I got to tell you, writing it was really tough. So mm. to hear that people are connecting with the book blesses me. And a, lo a lot of this is a weird thing. A lot of people, like half the people who write to me say that they, they weep at certain points because mm. it's moving when you read about your country and the sacrifices yeah. that to me is important that's kind of the part of the book 
I mean, that, that's the kind of the point of the book is to say we have something unbelievably beautiful to celebrate in America. We haven't been doing that for 40 or 50 years. Yeah. We've kind of been focused on the negative side of the narrative. Right. That's not healthy. You need to celebrate what is beautiful and good and rare and 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 that people around the world would kill to have what we take for granted. Yeah, if you travel enough, this this is still the best thing going. It, it's funny, my wife and I, she reads the Christian books of history, I read the secular ones, and then we argue about who's right and who's wrong. <laughs> but uh, it was great seeing your perspective and uh, just being, yeah, I mean, this might not be the best system yeah. uh, ever, but God has certainly used it. Oh, it's, 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 it's an, and it's not a book that, I, most of my books I don't write for Christians. Right. Like, I, I, I realize that most of the readers will end up being Christians, but sure. I don't write my, I yeah. write my book that you could give it to just about that's, anybody. That, that's what I and I do that very much on purpose. And this book has people on the left and on the right that have enjoyed it because this is, these are basic American ideas. This yeah. is not something that, unless you're an ideologue, you'll, you'll get it. So your latest endeavor is a nationally syndicated radio program, and you're on the same station we're on, WFIL, Tuesday to Friday at 4 p.m., 120 cities. This had to be a major launch, major decision, financial backing. Yeah, it's a big thing. I mean, Salem Radio, and they've got you know Hugh Hewitt and Dennis Prager, right. Michael Medved, yeah. whatever, and I. they just kind of came to me. And I always felt that God had called me to TV, and I still feel that. That's a calling on my life. And people say, why don't you try radio? And I thought, well, I'm not going to invest in something like that. But if somebody were to come to me with a national radio program, I would do it. That's exactly what happened. They Mm -hmm. came to me. They said, we've got, you know, like 120 cities, 300 stations, whatever it is. And I I thought, wow, that's going to be hard to say no to. But it's a big deal to do two hours a day of radio. That's what my next question was going to be. You know, our radio program, we cut up from sermons, and then we do some in-house things for Friday. Yeah. you got to come up with constant material. Yeah, two two hours a day. But it's a lot of fun. I get to talk to – we call it a show about everything. So a lot of times I'm talking about faith, but a lot of times I'm not talking about faith. I mean, you know, today, literally, uh, you know, an hour and a half ago, I interviewed Daryl Strawberry about his faith. You yeah. know? So I'll, in, I'll interview people. I'll, we'll talk about faith, but I'll also talk politics. I will talk uh, about sports. I will talk about uh, a movie. I'll talk about books. I'll just interview people. You know, I interview tons of secular people, tons of people that are uh, politically liberal, that are politically conservative. I like to really mix it up to the point where people don't know what they're going to get. And that's fun. And, yeah. and there's a lot of humor, a lot of joking around. Yeah. Eric, all the names you just mentioned uh, on syndicated radio also pop up on Fox News and TV. Right. Has that opened some doors? No. No. No, it's kind of funny because my program is not political talk. Those shows are all conservative talk radio. I My show is not that. It is also not... Christian radio. It's a mixture of everything. And I call it the show about everything because I really believe my faith should impact everything, not just politics, not just theology, not just whatever. And I love the culture. And so I will have people on just to talk about anything and everything. The problem, of course, is that that confuses people or advertisers saying, well, what is it? What is it? It, It's the show about everything. So you're going to get some political talk radio stuff, but not a lot. Right. You're going to get uh, a bunch of Christian stuff, but if you're tuning in to get spiritually fed every day, that's not what not you're going to get. Uh, I'll talk to a lot of people. And so so that I've always been hard to peg. That is just who God made me to be. It's my strength, and it's also the challenge. So, uh, you know, I will get on TV at some point, but they don't know 
what to make of me because like so are you going to joke or are you going to be be really serious or what are you going to do they you know they don't know sure and so that's why i kind of have to have my own show so i can just be myself otherwise you know they get a little confused eric you're a senior fellow and lecturer at large for the king's college in new york city i don't know if you know this but my daughter went there had a tremendous experience and I remember going to New York when Times Square Church opened in the late 80s. Are you kidding? Yeah, I'm serious. Do you I was, know I was there the other night? You know, I met my wife at Times Square Church. And I was there the first service they ever had on a Sunday morning. Come on. I remember Times Square was a porn district. It, yes. Like, you park your car, they'd steal yes. your tires. Now, Tim Keller has the Rise campaign. Uh, 20 years ago when he got to New York, he said 1% of Manhattan was going to a Bible-believing church. Yeah. Uh, if, if that. If that. They believe it's up to 5%. And yeah. he's got a goal, not only Redeemer, but all of New York with everything that's going on, to reach a tipping point, maybe 15% by right. 2025. You, you live in New York. Yeah. Uh, We're missionaries in New York. Yeah. That's why the Lord has called us yeah. to New York City. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind. I mean, to me, that's the most influential city in the world. Are we seeing change? Oh, there's no question about it. There is no question about it. Now, look, it's not Dallas, but it is different than it was 20, 25 years ago. I mean, there are churches that I've never heard of. People right. say, like, I go to this great church, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I never even heard of it. I, I practically knew, knew every Christian who, who was not African-American, okay? Because you always have right. those churches have always been there. Yeah. But I'm saying that, you know, evangelical churches in New York City, there was nothing until Tim Keller, until David Wilkerson, and a couple of others, they kind of started a beachhead, and then it took time, but boop, 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 now there are, there's just all, all kinds, you know. Did 9-11 spark something? Because we, we ran a lot that. of trips there. We did yeah. prayer, prayer on I, I the think corners. That, I and, think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, it, it I, I didn't see that directly but that it had to be but i mean all there are all kinds of like new denominations and churches and stuff and they're all mixed in every way ethnically uh age what it's 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 a stunning thing i mean and king's college to me is like the flagship king's college I existing wept. in new york yeah. city i I'm, wept at my daughter's orientation the professors that gave up tenure and hearing their vision i thought this is what college was meant to be yeah uh, they actually debate one another the professors oh man and it's no i tell you the president is a very dear friend of mine greg thornbury he is created by god to be the president of this college i've really never seen anything like it and i am just proud to be affiliated with them to do anything i can to help them to be a a robustly christian college in the middle of new york city is is stunning it's amazing well eric god's put a lot on your plate we really pray that he would continue to expand your borders and we thank you for joining us today my privilege thanks for having me thanks